Welcome, everyone, to the Weekly Discussion Podcast. My name is Pastor Kyle. And I am Pastor Holly. Hello, Pastor Holly. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good. Doing well. Pastor Holly is calling in today yes. uh, into our into the podcast because it is uh, these last couple of days in Seattle have been crazy weather. It's icy everywhere. So yeah. it's yeah, not safe to be driving around. Yeah. It's just gross outside. Yeah. Yeah, I'm lucky I live just across the parking lot, so I can just walk over here, uh, which is nice. But I did, actually, this morning, uh, I did try to run this morning, because uh, I, I, I run <laughs> I early. I, I tried. I tried did. Actually, this yeah. is kind of a funny story. I tried running, uh, and I figured, you know, the last couple of days, it's been in the teens in terms of the uh, the temperature, and there's been a little bit of snow, but, but it's been kind of rainy, so in the cold weather, everything turned to ice. And it warmed up a little bit yesterday and it was like, you know, hovering around 30 to 31 throughout the night. And so I thought, okay, well maybe, maybe it'll be okay. So I get all of my running stuff on this morning. And, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I ran a little bit later than normal. I waited till about five. I mean, I did some other stuff first and then I, uh, I ran about five. Oh, good. Good. Cause I was hoping that you weren't just lazing about until five. O'clock. <laughs> yeah, really? Like, <laughs> Come on, let's get going. Here. I know. Come on, this is days of wasting here. <laughs> so I go out on my normal route, and uh, on my normal route, I usually run. There's most of the way I run on sidewalks, uh, which is great usually. Uh, but I just I got I don't know I, half a mile into it, and I was slipping and sliding all over the oh. place. And I'm like, yeah, this is not. I don't want to fall and hurt myself. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> what I ended up doing is I came back and. Uh, went to the basement of the church building. And then, uh, I know I've done this before once or twice before when it was a couple, it was like two years ago and it was super smoky around here. Um, oh, yeah. the bottom of our, the basement of the church, uh, is, is, is like a, it's a big, it's a hallway, but big, like a big loop. Um, yes. Giant rectangle. Yeah. And so I just finished my run in the basement of the church, just oh, running wow. the loop over and over and over and over and over again. That's a pretty good idea. I like that. Yeah. Like that's some sharp corners, though. Yes, it was. Uh-huh. Pretty sharply there. I know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, that was that's my ice, my morning ice story. I didn't want to, uh, you know, fall and die, so I ran into the church. <laughs> that's fair. That's yeah. fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did not try running anywhere this morning, <laughs> uh, but I did. I did try driving, and that wasn't super fun. Yeah. So right. Back home now. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, kids have been out of school for a couple of days too, which they they're loving. Uh, but yeah, it's been kind of crazy around here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hope everyone has stayed safe and warm and uh, and yeah, not uh, not frozen. In there. Yeah, yeah. Well, Pastor Holly, we are in we are in our Act series here at the church, and uh, we have spent several weeks. Actually, this is this is the third week we've been in Chapter Nine of the Book of Acts. Yeah, and we're doing that for a very particular reason because Chapter Nine, the first part of Chapter Nine, is all about the conversion of Saul. And uh, such an important moment in the book of Acts and also for the rest of the Acts and for the rest of the New Testament. So, yeah, and maybe the rest of like the history of the church. This yeah. Pretty good. Uh, important story for, uh, for all of us who, um, who are part of the Christian faith. Yeah, absolutely. So, we spent the first week looking at the actual 
moment of conversion between Jesus and Saul on the road to Damascus. The second week, we spent looking at the person of Ananias and the role that he played uh, in in the conversion of Saul. And so then this week, just uh, yesterday for our message, we focused on kind of what what happened to Saul right after his conversion and after that moment with Ananias um, in the city of Damascus before he moves on to Jerusalem. Right. Yeah, still going by the name Saul here. We'll mm-hmm. later know him as the Apostle Paul. Um, but this is like this story moves pretty quickly. If you look at the beginning of chapter nine and then toward the end of chapter nine, you're like, wow, that was a really, uh, really sharp turn. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and everything is different now. Right. Yeah. Everything's really different. So one of the ways that we've been kind of looking at this story from the beginning uh, of the, our first week, looking at, at Saul's story is trying to really humanize Saul, Ananias, and then kind of what it's like for Saul here after his moment with Ananias, because I think it's really important that we try to get the human aspect of what some of these things might feel like uh, for these yeah. people. Because I think, uh, and I don't know if this is the, true for you too, Pastor Holly, but when I imagine uh, what these what these moments were like, trying to understand and imagine what they were thinking and feeling, I think it adds a lot of depth to what Jesus can do in the life of a person. Yes, absolutely. And that's one of my favorite ways to read the Bible is kind of placing myself in that story. And yeah, exactly as you said, imagining that experience from the perspective of the the people involved. And it's really cool actually to go through, I mean, you can read the same story over and over and over and put yourself in the place of a different person within that and uh, and get a, a, a different perspective. And so that gives a really rich understanding um, and uh, of the whole story. And what I love about that is then it's, it's, it's a much easier than for us to start seeing uh, ourselves and our lives today, our real mm-hmm. lives as part of that story of God and seeing how, um, how God is working today, just yeah. as he was working in, uh, in these earlier times. Yeah, that's really good, because if he can do it back then in these really human ways um, to some of these people that we're reading about, then he can certainly do that in our lives and in our world today. And I think that's a powerful kind of realization. So we left Saul after, in our first week, um, also, I mean, we talked a little bit about it in week two, but we just, one of the things that we were noticing and commenting on is the kind of role, the role reversal in terms of Saul coming in kind of might and power with authority to arrest. He, he's the, the top dude, uh, having that completely flipped. So he meets Jesus on the road. He falls on his face. He can't see. He can't eat. Uh, he had to be led by the hand to Damascus, uh, and he's just kind of really humbled uh, in this after this moment with Jesus. And so it's kind of we uh, read this kind of powerful statement from a commentary that talks about the way that after all of this, this 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 humbling moment. This is how he says Saul, the enemy of the church, enters the kingdom of God. Mm. Um, and just so powerful uh, uh, an image uh, that in this way, God, uh, you know, brings Saul low uh, in repentance and humility. Yeah. Uh, and it's in that state that he then empowers him for the work ahead. Just that is such a 
powerful image. That's how all of us enter the kingdom of God, right? It's, it's the as as children, as yeah. um, as the meek. I mean, the Bible uses a lot of different language and imagery for for that, but um, but it is just a a, a beautiful, humbling experience to know that you moved into the presence of God. Yeah. And this this is actually how I think it's really helpful to think about this next stage for Paul or Saul Saul. I keep doing that. Saul, sorry. <laughs> Saul. I know, I know. That's yeah, we're so hard. You got it. You're yeah. just you're just like giving a giving a teaser, a little yeah. spoiler. A little a little uh, yeah, a little spoiler what's ahead. Uh but for Saul here, and this is actually pretty incredible that uh that he comes into the kingdom in this humbled state and I'm and I'm I'm fascinated by that because we also talked about that uh it was clear the in the interaction between Jesus and Ananias Jesus tells Ananias that Saul is not only chosen uh but or, I mean, not only that you know he's a he's now a, a son of of God but um right. he's he's a He's an instrument, but he's a chosen instrument to do a very particular job, uh, right. which is kind of a fascinating thing that we learn in this interaction with Ananias. We hadn't known that before uh, in the in the verses uh, ahead of that. But um, Saul is unique as a is a chosen instrument for a particular task, and that is to take the gospel to the Gentiles and to everybody else around the world. And so we are commenting, we're thinking about. Uh, what? How overwhelming that must have been. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, that. Yes. Take the gospel to everybody else in the world is that's kind of a big task. <laughs> yeah. Carry carry my message to everyone. To everyone. You're, yeah. Yeah. You will overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very overwhelming. Uh, and so you know I, we're we're thinking about. Um, I, I we don't know exactly how much um, Saul knew about the work ahead, and what he was called to, or what and we know what he what he was called to. We just are a little unsure about how much um, you know Jesus revealed to him in those moments, in those few days that he had with him. Uh, but uh, the if you, if you think about uh, the work that's ahead, that's overwhelming. There's no roadmap for that, for that. There's something that's completely new, uh, in that for Saul. And, um, that's one of these moments where he's got this large calling on him. And I think that's one of the best reasons why, uh, that God brought him to the place where he did, because that work that Saul was to do, uh, required complete dependence and trust on God. Mm, yes. Yes, absolutely. He did not enter into this work with the uh, maybe the confidence and the and the assuredness that he had as a religious teacher prior to his yeah. um, meeting with Jesus, uh, where he was, you know, educated and trained and and in a in a um, a, a position of power and everything was in his favor uh he entered i mean actually blind and yeah and completely humbled yeah and hungry yes and uh and and among people who had every reason to uh to to abuse that vulnerability yeah 
You know, and I, and I wonder, like, I think to myself, uh, this is such a key uh, moment for Saul because as you as you go through the rest of his story, his life is not easy uh, after this mm-hmm. point. I mean, he he gets um, all kinds of persecution. He's beat. He's stoned. Uh, you know, all he's he's persecuted. He's pursued. And so I wonder how much of these initial moments with Jesus where he were were key for him for the rest of his ministry. Uh, mm. These moments where maybe it was uh, his realization of the need to be completely dependent on Jesus uh, every moment. We asked a question in the message yesterday, have you ever been called to something that seemed way too big for you? Mm. And uh, those those callings are moments where you think to yourself, okay, God, I'm, I'm way out of my depth here, and I need your help or I'm not going to make it. Has that ever been part of you know your experience? And and then what was your response to that? Because you can either uh, lean into kind of this desperate trust in Jesus, or I suppose you can go on the other side and say, okay, well I I've got it, and uh, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna write out my roadmap, my ten strategic plans, and we're gonna go conquer this thing. But you're doing it on your own, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's that would be a natural tendency, right? Is to try to try to plan it out. And there's nothing here. That we're not saying that you know, don't right, don't plan, don't strategize, don't don't do the work that you know how to do. But to um, but but that would be our tendency would be to let's for me, I would be like, well, I'm I'm gonna have to make a list of all yeah. the things that I need to do and make a plan and schedule calendar dates and and figure this out um, and that's uh Saul didn't have that that right. luxury um nothing, nothing okay. was really had, had been prepared for him in that way and so yeah how do we step into those moments saying okay okay god i'm here i am and this is all that i am and and i'm not at all uh able to do this mm-hmm. on my own yeah but okay but okay that's right I found some of the most powerful times of my life in ministry or with the Lord have been those moments when, yeah, I'm I recognize my my need, I recognize my uh, my failings, my weakness, you know, that yeah. I can't do that, and then I I do, I've had a few of these moments, just desperate cries for the Lord to say, okay, I I really, I really cannot do this, and I need you, um, and then that's where. The faithfulness of God always comes through. Yes. Yeah. It's yes. Incredible. So, uh, I, I'm thankful for thinking about this, uh, and uh, hopefully that's encouraging for us as we think about the days ahead, um, this these we- the weeks ahead here. But I think Saul does that too. I mean, so because what it says right after this is, you know, he has these few days, uh, you know, in in that house or wherever he was, um, blind and fasting and not drinking anything, right? And then he's healed right. by Ananias. Uh, and then it says that Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus. This starts in verse 19. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and he immediately began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, he is indeed the Son of God. Mm. This is so powerful because I think, you know, Saul maybe leans into desperate trust in Jesus, and then he he's like, I don't know the way forward, but what I do know is I'm going to keep everything that I am focused on Jesus, and I'm going to do what I know how to do. 
Yes. Uh, and so he, and this is his pattern for the rest of his ministry. You, you see this all the time where he'll go to the synagogue, the Jewish, the center of Jewish worship and gathering in the ancient world. And he begins to just teach uh, and tell the story of the Jewish people and God's people. But he does it now differently because the climax of his story now is that this Messiah that they've been waiting for, longing for, is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Mm. And, I, and I think to myself, I've uh, read a lot about this, but you know, he goes to the synagogues, and at this point, uh, especially here in, in chapter 9, the, the Jewish people probably don't know widely that he has uh, come to faith in Jesus. And so maybe he walks up to these synagogues, and they're like, oh, great, it's, it's Saul. Uh, here is a, a well-known, respected Pharisee. Everyone come and let's listen to him. He's going to teach us, right? He's got clout. Right. He's he's known. He's uh, understood as a respected teacher. Uh, he definitely has some skill in that, as we'll see. The guest speaker that everybody wants to come here, right? Yes. Yeah. And then I wonder what it's like for them as they hear him tell the story of God's people but now the climax of that story is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Right. Oof. Yeah. Oh, now now I'm going to put myself in the in the shoes of those uh, people listening to him who who came expecting to hear um, the the story that they knew so well, but told by this very skilled, very gifted speaker. Because in Jewish worship, the um, the uh, sort of the pattern was that uh, that that preaching was the the retelling of the story of the people of right. God, and it is for us as well. But it was maybe a more systematic uh, thing then, and so to hear that story that they knew, and then to have it end with, and yeah, by the way, right. That son of God, that's Jesus. Yeah. I wonder, like the response in the room. <laughs> I mean, were people totally. just stunned? Are they like, do we? Like, do we clap? Is it okay to clap? Or do we, what do we do? Do we <laughs> walk out? I don't know what to do. Do we pick up a stone? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It would, yeah. Have, it would have certainly been, it certainly would have been uh, kind of blasphemous for him uh, to, to say that in the, in the Jewish synagogue. Uh, the other kind of cool thing that we mentioned, which is really fun to know uh, and important to know that the word, the, the word that is used here about his preaching where he uh, calls Jesus the Son of God, that's very important uh, for a couple of reasons. It's the first time in the book of Acts that we see this phrase, Son of God, used for Jesus. It's the first time we see Saul using that. In fact, this becomes a essential way that the Christian church from this point on will refer to Jesus, and it becomes a characteristic of Paul's uh, teaching and writing for the rest of the New Testament. Yeah. Um, so it's a really important thing that we're seeing here in this verse, and we have to understand it on a couple of levels. The first is that the idea of the Son of God is connected to an, the Old Testament, the Old Testament uh, conception of the Messiah that they were waiting for. In fact, it's most of the time used in connection with David, King David, in the Old Testament. Uh so just as just as an example, uh, the phrase "Son of God" uh, it wasn't used a lot in the Old Testament, but when it was used, it referred to one of two things. First, it would have been uh, 
it would have been used for the people of Israel in general, like they are the sons and daughters of God. Right. Um, or the second way it was used as the, uh, it was kind of interchangeable between using it with the son of David or the son of God, re- referring to the Messiah himself. And so uh, this is based on the promise from Second Samuel that God gave to David. Uh, in Second Samuel chapter 7, it says, uh, for when you die, David, when you die and, and buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, uh, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. And I will be his father, and he will be my son. So there's a couple of layers to that scripture as well. Obviously, we know that David's son Solomon is the one who builds, finally completes the temple. But this, uh, I will secure your thr- your royal throne forever, is an eternal concept. And so that's the idea of the son of David, or the son of God here, specifically right. referencing uh, the Old Testament hope for a Messiah. That's what mm-hmm. Saul uses. This is genius because yeah. <laughs> Saul is an expert in Jewish history, Jewish law, and the story of God. So he is he's reaching back and he's using a concept that would have been on the hearts of the Jewish people for generations. They would have understood what that phrase is, and they would have it was like, you know, he's hoping that they all make all these new connections with what they know and hope for. And Saul is saying this is found in this very person of Jesus from Nazareth. This is a major, major statement. And again, just to think of the people who have heard this um, this messianic prophecy their whole lives. But but like you said, for generations, and we're, we're in, you say generations, you're talking like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years right. of 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 this hope, this ongoing hope. So I, I can just imagine in that moment people being like, well, but I mean, this has been kind of an a bit of thing for a really long time. <laughs> are we are we supposed to believe that it is happening, that it is true, that this has come to pass now in our generation? Because I think we tend to think of our own lives and our own generation as like those things can't um, who are we, right? right? Who are we? What's what's so special about our time in history or our generation to uh, to receive that sort of um, fulfillment of a promise? At least that's how I would think of it. Yeah, um, like this can't possibly be happening, right? Because like, why now? Yeah. Um, so I don't. I I can imagine the um, the questions uh, yeah. that must have been just free-flowing through everyone's mind. I mean, this is like, I just look back at God's plan and design for using Saul in this way, and I'm like, man, this is like a home run. This is just genius. Obviously, I mean, you're God, you know what you're doing. Like, to take someone like Saul, who's probably the one person, I thought about this a lot. I don't know, maybe this is, uh, um, I'm I'm, uh, being hyperbolic here, but Saul, I think, at this moment is, there's no one better in the known world <laughs> to take right. uh, the message of the history of God's people, having had this experience with Jesus, who could uh, retell the story and reframe it, or you know, uh, for uh, 
proving that Jesus is this Messiah. There's no one better in the world that could do that to the Jewish people, and then no one better who could take that on beyond the Jewish people uh, and communicate that in in different ways. In fact, what we see just just to make sure that you know what Scripture says about the way how effective Saul was at this. In verse 21 here in chapter 9, it says, All who heard him were amazed. Mm. They started with this question, isn't this the same guy who caused all this devastation among the followers in Jerusalem? Isn't this the guy that was going around arresting everybody? Um, And then it says in verse 22, Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. Ooh! (laughs) It's like, whoa! Okay! <laughs> he was so whatever he was saying, yeah. it it landed. It landed, and in a significant way, and in fact, yeah. so significantly that just the next verse, uh, it said after a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. Mm. Uh, and this uh, he, Saul, who then becomes Paul, uh, would never escape plots for his life. Right? Like, like I mean, he he escaped. In the, in the sense that they didn't actually kill him sometimes when they wanted right. to, but this would just mark part of the rest of his life and his ministry, always people plotting against him, yes. uh, trying to, you know, take his life or undermine his uh, ministry. Right, in some pretty dramatic ways, and we can both see that as um, as we carry on in the book of Acts, or if you're reading it yourself, but... Yeah. Uh, Yes, that's true. That became just a, a regular part of his life from from there on out. And that was, um, I mean, when when Jesus spoke to Ananias and was trying and was yeah. telling him that this is who you need to go see, um, he said it. Said that the Lord said, "I will show him Saul how much he must suffer for my name's sake," and he did suffer yeah. then for the rest of his of his life, and yet um, and yet continued and yeah. yet continued to to preach, and nothing ever uh silenced him right uh, uh for as long as he lived in uh, in preaching the gospel yes so pastor holly this is such i mean i'm 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 very thankful we decided to take several weeks on this because each stage of this story is so powerful and there's so much that we can learn from and so i i just hope there's a lot to think about even from this week i i just encourage you all who are listening uh, to take some time in prayer uh, this week, think about this story. Think about the desperate trust that Saul needed to have in Jesus as he starts this enormous work. Uh, think about the way that God uniquely gifted him for what he's called to do, uh, and ask some of those same questions of your own life. And uh, maybe think think about this last week or uh, throughout this last week. Um, what has the Lord done for you? How has He brought you to this moment? And uh, where is His faithfulness in your life? What does that look like? What are your expectations of him going forward? Uh, Ooh, yeah. Good, good questions. Yeah. Well, thanks, Pastor Holly. This has been great. Uh, and thanks, everyone, for listening. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we hope you're encouraged. Mm-hmm.